Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 161 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 19th of November 2017, entitled Two Eternal Abodes, A Place Called Heaven. And the Bible readings are taken from Jude, verses 3 and 4, and Revelation, chapter 21, verses 1 to 8. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Get to preach on a subject I like preaching on today, and that's heaven. Praise the Lord. Well, prior to us leaving uh, a little over three months ago now to, uh, to make our journeys, we had done about a half a dozen sermons on, in our Contending for the Faith uh, series uh, on the two eternal abodes, heaven and hell. And uh, so as we prepare to continue on in that, uh, in that series that we're looking, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to read these, uh, uh, these passages of, of Scripture again today. And really, since it's been so long, just uh, uh, take us back to, uh, uh, to be able to uh, look at what we were looking at at this place called heaven uh, and what God has in store for us. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word, remembering that in Jude chapter 3, verse 4, or verses 3 and 4, Jude, there's only one chapter, verse 3 and 4, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, as we look into the book of Revelation chapter 21, one of those great truths and I believe that we are to contend for, is that every human being, past, present, and future on this earth, will live in one of two eternal abiding places, heaven or hell. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, 
which is the second death. Father, thank you again that we can look into your word this morning. And Lord, you know that as we come around this, this, this time that we uh, set aside to look into your word, that without you that we are hopeless and helpless. Lord, please, please speak to our hearts this morning. Give us that which, which, which we need. You know every individual that is here, and you know exactly what we need for this day. So we pray, Lord, that as we speak these words, that our hearts will be open to that which you have for us. We give you all the praise and thanks. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. We find that even, even in our day that as Jude was writing and encouraging us to contend for that faith that was once, literally once for all time, delivered to the saints, delivered to us for our safekeeping but he said there that there were those that had crept in unawares that were turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, denying the only Lord God. There are many things that people are denying today. And certainly we live in a day when uh, the whole lasciviousness, that doing that which, which makes me feel good, which, which, which does something for me, we live in those days that sadly even in our churches, much of it has crept in unawares, and the focus is more upon uh, me, myself, my feelings, my emotions, than upon the Lord himself. But at the same time in these days, many of our, many of our foundational doctrines are being attacked. There are those, of course, that are unbelievers that it's not surprising that they would... Uh, not want to think of anything beyond this life, beyond this grave, that when it finishes, it finishes. But sadly, even amongst believers, there are those that would uh, claim to believe the same faith that we do. And some would not believe in these literal places called heaven and hell. And I believe that as we look through these passages, that it's vital and that it is important that we recognize that these are foundational truths to the very faith that we hold so dear. There are only two eternal abiding places. One is with God. One is without God. With God there's life. Without God there's death. With God there's light. Without God there's darkness. With God there is no sin. Without God, there's only sin. Folks, today as we think of those two eternal abiding places, I just want to remind you, if you didn't get to listen to those sermons, you can go back because all we can do today is just, just take a glimpse to remind ourselves that as believers, one of the great things, we've sung about it this morning, we talk about it, one of our great hopes is that day that the Lord will come back for us and that even if we leave this life before that day, that to be absent from the body is to be present with our Lord. You see, as we begin to talk about this place called heaven, we said regardless of what that the world around us may say and believe, and even about what some of Christendom would say, heaven is a place, a real place. That when we look into Scripture, we find that it was, it was visited by people like Paul and, and, and John. We find that the Bible declares that heaven, even now, is 
the place where the throne of God is at and where God the Father himself dwells and sits upon that throne. We find that it's where the Son came from and went back to and that he's there today. We find that it's the place where as saints, as believers, that our reservation is made for us. It's a real place. It's a prepared place. A place that is not prepared by man, but prepared by God himself. We saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that it was a place that was prepared for them that love him. We find in John chapter 14 as God made those wonderful promises that it was not only a place prepared for those that love him in general, but a place prepared for you that Jesus one day would come back and take to that place. We can never begin. Matter of fact, the Bible says that our eyes have never seen and our ears have never heard what God has in store for us. But he gives us some glimpses about this place called, called heaven and where it is and what's happening and what will be and what won't be. There's some things we know about it. We know that it is eternal, that it is a prepared place that is eternal, that will be there forever. We know that it's like nothing that we've ever seen or heard in our lives on this earth, in our dreams, or anything else. We know it's where God himself dwells, sits upon his throne. We know it is where Jesus came from and returned to. We know that it's the place where our inheritance is reserved for us for one day. We know that it's the place that Jesus promised to prepare for you. And you see, I hope that you know in your own heart, as I know, that it's a place where I'm going to one day. It's a place where I will dwell with him one day. You see, it is that place. It is a place that's been prepared. But it's a place that's been prepared for a prepared people. Remember that in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, the Word of God said, For our, us, the believers, the child of God, for our conversation is in heaven. Our conversation is in heaven. Literally, our citizenship is there in heaven, from which also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. My citizenship is there, and it's where I'm looking for him to come from one day, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Or our conversation is in heaven. I could go to my blue bag back here, and I've done it before, and you know, most of you have got that little booklet that's called a passport. And what that passport does is declare your citizenship. Now, most of yours is sort of a burgundy color, and it declares you to be a citizen of the United Kingdom. Mine happens to be blue, and it declares me to be a citizen of the United States of America. But you see, I know that I'm a citizen of that country. You know that you're a citizen of your country. Today, we need to know with absolute certainty. I may know that I'm a citizen of America. You may know that you're a citizen of Britain. But if you're a child of God, you need to know that you are a citizen of heaven. You have a citizenship there. 
You, every one of you. And I mean, here today, I'm, I'm in the minority. I'm, I'm a foreigner that's, that's, that's passing through for whatever time God gives me. But we're all foreigners. We're all foreigners in this foreign land that we are only for now passing through temporarily. Our conversation, our citizenship is there. And just as surely from whence also we look for the Savior, Christ is coming. He's the one that promised to go and prepare a place for you, and that when he went to prepare that place for you, that he would come again to receive you unto himself, that where he was, you could be also. You see, our citizenship is already there. But for right now, we're traveling through this foreign land here upon earth. We don't know when our day's coming. We don't know when that last breath will come or when that, that trumpet will sound. But until that day, you'll always be a foreigner on this earth. But you've got proof of your citizenship in heaven. Now, I carry that little book that's produced by man, but I've got a greater book right here that declares me to be a citizen of heaven my name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. My name is not only on that role of citizenship of the United States of America, but it's on the citizenship on the role that's written down in heaven, the Lamb's Book of Life. And I know that even though I'm here as a foreigner, I know that my citizenship is really there, and I know that one day Jesus is coming to get me from this foreign land, and he's going to take me back home. And we know with absolute certainty that that's where we go when we leave this earth. But you see, when he comes to get us, <laughs> I know you're a pretty good looking lot, but you're not ready for heaven. I promise you. <laughs> you're not ready for heaven. You'd be better off in heaven, but you're not ready for it. Because if God allowed any one of us in, even the one with the tiniest speck of sin, heaven would be no more. The travesty would happen there just like it happened upon this earth. When sin entered in, death came with it. When sin entered in, we were separated from God, we were separated from life, and all that was left was death. So it is a prepared place for a prepared people. You see, he said here that he did. Our citizenship is already there, and Jesus is coming back to get us one day to take us there. But when he comes back, he says, Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is even to, able to subdue all things unto himself. You're going to be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says. You see, heaven is real. And it's a place that's prepared by God himself. But the same God that prepared that place is the same God that's preparing a people to be there one day. And when he comes back, if you are a child of God, one of two things. You'll either come up out of that grave. I've always said lightly, but it makes sense. The dead in Christ shall rise first. They've got to catch up with us. They're already on the earth. They're coming out of the earth. They've got to come up, and we shall all. All meet in the air, all there at the same time, and we shall all be changed to that glorious body just like he is. Folks, that's what we've got to look forward to. He promises that when he appears, we will be like him. Now, you let your mind go as far as it can go. 
I mean, to where you are the most perfect human being that's ever, ever graced God's green earth. To where that you absolutely are more spiritual and closer to God than any human being that's ever lived. You let it go as far as it will take you. You'll not even begin to approach what you're going to be like on that day when you're like him, when that change takes place. We can't fully go there, but we can't think anything that's bigger or greater or more grand than what it is, that perfectly prepared place for a perfectly prepared people. But I want you to know, even though that it's a place that we look for in the future, we know right now, right now my citizenship is there, Right now, my inheritance is reserved there for me. Right now, Jesus has already prepared a place for me there. One day, he's going to come back here. And when he comes back, he's in the process of preparing us now. But boy, that day, we're going to go through a change like never before when we're changed and this vile body will be no more and we'll be just like him, like nothing ever seen or heard. That's a future promise, a future hope. But it's also a present reality. It's a present promise for you right now. Paul writing in, in, in 2 Corinthians, and unintentionally, I actually referred to, uh, to this passage last Sunday when we were looking, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the apostle Paul said this there in verse 6. He said, therefore, we are always confident. We are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body than to be present with the Lord. <laughs> Paul says, I know with absolute certainty that as long as I am here, as long as I'm on this earth, as long as I am at home in this body, then I'm absent from the Lord. I'm not with him. But he says, I'm also confident of this, that just as surely as while I'm here in this body and I'm absent from him, I know that just as surely one day I'll be absent from this body and I'll be present with him. You see, your tabernacle is temporary. We have that absolute confidence of knowing. We know the promises to you right now. You'd know with absolute certainty that when you leave this body, you can leave it in one of two ways. It can be put in the ground. It can be done away with. You might be a sailor that's buried at sea and the sharks have you for dinner. It doesn't matter. One day, wherever that body is, it's going to be raised up. And when it's raised up, it's going to be changed. It's going to be changed. And you can get that new body. We find that wherever... Whether you're alive or whether you're dead, it doesn't matter. The same promise is to you. As long as you're in this body, you're not with him. But as soon as you're not in this body, you are with him. Right now, many of us have loved ones that have gone on before us. I believe with all my heart to be absent from the body is to be present with him, even though, even though they don't have their glorified body yet. Spiritually, they're already in the presence of the Lord. Spiritually, they're there. Now, now one day... One day, they'll regain that body, but that old body will be changed into a new glorious body. You see, it is a present 
promise, a reality for right now. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24, for I am in a strait betwixt two. Man, I'm really, I'm really caught up here between two, two, two things. He said, I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Do you remember what we talked about last Sunday morning briefly? Because it was right after that Paul made that statement of being confident that as long as he was here, he was absent from the Lord, but when he would be absent from this body that he'd be with the Lord, he said, here, man, I'm drawn between these things because really, man, I'd rather be there with him right now. But it's more needful for me to be here. God has a purpose for you right now. He labored to be accepted of God. Right now, we're still here. We're still in this life. But it's a present promise that you have right now that one day you're going to be with him. We find that we won't take and turn to it and read it, but Luke chapter 16, we find there are many that would declare to us that that's just a parable, that it's just a made-up story. Well, I would say on the first hand that whether it was real or whether it was made up, the truth is the same that it holds. Parables weren't made to just make up some make-believe story. They were made that we might see a truth to allow us to see a truth, something that was a reality. And, of course, many of those things are hid from the world, but they should be open to you and I as believers. The story of the rich man and Lazarus is not a made-up story. Those were real people. Their names are recorded for us there. When they left this world, they both were immediately in another place. One, we find, was in a place of torment. He lifted up his eyes, being in torment. As soon as he left this body, he went somewhere. The other one found himself in Abraham's bosom, that place called paradise, that place that I believe that would later, they would be freed and taken on to heaven after Jesus had died on the cross and, and rose from the grave. I'm saying the Bible is clear that the moment that they left this life, you see, it is a present promise for those who went to Hades as well, but it's a present promise for you and I. It's something that we can count on. And then finally, we looked at the fact that this place called heaven, see, it is a place, a real place. It is a prepared place, prepared by God himself for a prepared people, those that put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that will be changed into a body, have a body just like him. But even though it's a future hope, it's a present promise right now that we can hold dear and hang on to. And though that we've never seen and never heard anything like it, we simply ask ourselves that question, well, what? What is heaven going to be like? If we can have this confidence of knowing that it's there and knowing that it's, that it's ours as, as, as a believer, how can we know what it's going to be like? 
Well, even though we can't understand fully, I want to remind you that it is a very promising portrait that we have. You know, down here when we want to know what something is like, you know, last Sunday evening we showed you some some photos, some pictures of some of the places that we were able to, to, to go while we were uh, traveling in America, and we were able to show you some of those places, uh, a portrait of what it looked like. Well, though we've never seen and never heard, God gives us a portrait, a very promising portrait, the things that we do know. No, it's very, it's incomplete because we're not able to grasp and understand it all, but he uses, he uses some of the most precious and beautiful things in this life to try to give us an idea, a glimpse of what to expect when we get to heaven. We looked in, in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, and we found these words in verse 22 to 24. He says, but ye are coming to Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better, better things than that of Abel. You see, we don't come to Mount Sinai anymore, folks. We don't come with all of the sacrifices of the law in the Old Testament. Instead of Mount Sinai, we come to Mount Zion. And when we come to Mount Zion, the Bible declares it to be the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, with this innumerable company of angels, the, the true church of Jesus to Christ, together in one place, a perfected people with all of those weaknesses and failings and shortcomings gone. There we'll see God, the one true judge of all, Jesus, the mediator, and that blood of the Lamb, that washed away your sins, that took away your sins. That's part of the portrait that he gives us of this place called heaven. And then we, we began our reading in, in Revelation chapter 21. In Revelation chapter 21, as with many things, when we're trying to understand something, it helps us to have a picture when uh, we know some of the things that it does have and some of the things it doesn't have. Some of the things that are and some of the things that or not. You see, we read those verses, the first eight verses there earlier. The Bible says we'll have a new heaven and a new earth. <laughs> a new heaven and a new earth. A new Jerusalem coming down. Now, we can't get our heads around all of this. I want you to grasp, though, that everything tarnished with this sin all the bad, it's, it's going to all be gone. There's going to be a new earth. And right now, the city of God is in heaven. But here, we get a picture of that new Jerusalem coming down to us. 
And we get a picture of the, the tabernacle of God and, and, and God dwelling with us. And then this place you say, well, well, preacher, where is the heaven of eternity going to be? There's only one simple answer, folks. I can't give you a latitude and a longitude, but I can tell you this. It's going to be wherever God is. We try to get this picture of how God is going to wipe away all of the bad and take away all of the tarnishing things that have always destroyed His creation. Both the natural creation and His human creation. It's going to all be gone. <laughs> all that bad stuff is going to be gone. And he tells us that, that not only is there going to be this, this new heaven and new earth where that there, there, there's no sin and this new Jerusalem coming down, the city of God coming down and, and being here with us. He tells us, folks, that there won't be any more tears. There won't be any more death. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. We've never known a world like that. Things break our hearts. But to imagine a world where none of that exists, where all things are new, where we have this promise of, of life and our, and our inheritance and, and sonship, of being God's son. He goes on in verse 8 and he says, there's no, no fear there, no unbelieving, no abomination, no murderers, no whoremongers, no sorcerers, no idolaters, no liars, none of that in heaven. We've never known anything to even begin to approach that. Of course, in verse 9, <laughs> there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, <laughs> I will show you the bride, <laughs> the Lamb's wife. You see, the bride of Christ, which I hope and pray today that you know that you're part of the bride of Christ because you're part of the church, the true church. You see, there's only one, the only, the only church in our world today, we've, we've looked at all these things in the past, is this visible church here, but it's full of all the imperfections because it's full of us. But there is a church that will be called out one day, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ that is called out of there. There's only one way to be part of that. You see, the church is that called out assembly that belongs to the Lord. One day, the one true church will be called out of this world. That's when we'll be changed. That's when we'll be able to be present. The one true bride of Christ might be Baptist, might be Methodist, Pentecostals, Anglicans, they might have all kind of tags and titles in this life down here, but there's only one reservation that's going to get them there, and that's to be part of the bride of Christ, to be part of that one true church. And he carried me away in the spirit of a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. He's seeing the new Jerusalem, not the earthly Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, the perfect Jerusalem. Jerusalem has probably known more bloodshed in this world than any other one city. And with what's still to come upon this earth, it's going to see bloodshed in the future like never before. But folks, here is the new Jerusalem without the sin, without the awfulness of men. The new Jerusalem. 
that God has prepared for you and I, the city that we'll live in with Him, descending out of heaven, having the glory of God. You can't even look on the glory of God. I figure, I figure, you know, I don't know if any of you ever watched all those old, old, old sci-fi movies and stuff. And, you know, and like on Star Trek, when you used to stand there and you say, beam me up, Scotty. And all of a sudden, it's just all these little, little particles and he's gone. You know, just kind of like that. Well, I kind of try to, to picture what this is going to, uh, to be like one day. And as I looked there and I, try to, and I try to get a picture of it, I figured, you know, well, you know, it's, it's, it's like right now, if you saw the glory of God, you'd probably just turn into that little, little particles like we see in there. You couldn't handle it. Your body would just, just vanish. But then you're going to have that new body. You're going to be prepared for it. And you're going to actually be able to see the glory of God without it wiping you out. <laughs> we find that he goes on here. And as he's describing this place, he says, having the glory of God in her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Shine. Light shining. Like a jasper stone here, like this clear crystal. And he goes on to explain that there's going to be a wall around this, 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 this city with, with 12 gates, three on each side of it. There's going to be an angel at each one and names on each one of them each with the name of one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And it's going to have 12 foundations under that wall with the names of the 12 apostles. And I get, I, get, I look this back, all of God's Word, all of God's people, all of God's time. In the Old Testament, God built His work on the nation of Israel, and those 12 tribes, uh, that was the foundation of His work. And in the New Testament, it's the church. And those apostles are the foundation of the church that he built, the new Jerusalem. Those 12 tribes of Israel are represented there in those 12 gates of the city. And the foundation, the names of the 12 apostles there, and the size of this place. I mean, you know, 12,000 furlongs, that's like 1,500 miles, 1,500 miles that way, 1,500 miles that way, 1,500 miles that way, 1,500 miles in every direction, 216 feet walls. Eat your heart out, Donald Trump. <laughs> He'll never build a wall like that one, praise God. <laughs> 216 feet tall. It's amazing because you think, well, you know, why all that? Well, these walls, he says in verse 18, are jasper in the cities built of pure gold as, as clear as glass. Those foundations are garnished with precious stones. You know, we garnish things down here. It might be ourselves and it might be the, the food that we put on the table, but we, we garnish something just to make it look nice. I mean, he's using the things that people kill over down here, these precious stones that are of the greatest value, and they're, they're just... They're just garnishes on the foundation. Make them beautiful. Those 12 gates with the 12 tribes of Israel, each one of them is made out of a pearl. 
the gate, gates of pearl, streets of pure gold. Jesus, God the Father and Jesus the Son, they're the temple. We don't need a sun or a moon or anything like that because the glory of God lights the whole city. There needs to be no artificial man-made light. Verse 24, he talks about the nations of the saved. Redeemed from every nation. Walking by the light. You know, down here, it doesn't take much for men to find something to divide over. This nation against this nation and this person against that person. But he talks there. He talks there of the nations of the saved, the redeemed from every nation. No more of the sinful divisions of man. He talks about the kings of earth bringing glory into this place. You know those 12 gates around the, around the city that are made of pearl? Well, they're gates, but they never close. There's no need for it. There's never even any night. I mean, down here, I don't know about you. I mean, I trust God. But when I go to bed at night, I lock my doors and I lock my windows. <laughs> I don't leave it to chance because there's. I have to worry about something getting in that shouldn't. <laughs> no need for locks in heaven. No need to close things up. Even the gates of the city, they're never closed. There's never any night. You find that the glory of the nations are brought in. It says there's nothing that defiles. There's nothing that works abomination. There's no, there's no lies. There's none of that present. Those whose names are in the Lamb's book of life. Verse 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. You see, stop and imagine for a moment the only people that are going to be there. There's only one citizenship role. There's only one role that matters. And that's the Lamb's book of life. That's who you're going to find there today. Today, your reservation can be bad. You know, down here, a lot of times if something's really good, have you ever been to a, to a restaurant that the food was just so good? You just wanted to savor every moment of it. You didn't want to waste a second of it. You want to sop up the juices off the plate. It was all so good. Chances are when you get to those places that are that good, if you don't have a reservation, you're never going to get to taste it because people are waiting to get in, get something that's good. Well, there's a lot of people that want heaven. There's a lot of people that want all the wonderful, glorious things that will be found in heaven that we see here. But without a reservation, there will be no place for you. There is no place. Folks, that's not what I mean. That's saying, look, there's only one way it can exist. There's only one way that it can be an eternal abiding place. Both of these abodes are eternal. Why? Because when there's sin, there's always death, and there will always be death. But when there's God, there's life. And there has to always be life. It must always be there. Can we grasp and understand the division between life and death? 
The division between these two eternal abiding places comes down to one simple thing. Sin. You've got to do away with the sin. That's the only way to get a reservation there. It's the Lamb's book of life. It's the shed blood of Jesus Christ that can wipe away your sins, that can bring you back to God to where you can spend eternity with Him, which is where God wants you to be. But if you stand one day without your name, without your reservation, you can knock and beg and plead all you want. You can't. Enter in unless the sin's been taken care of. That's the only way you can get a reservation there. Take care of the sin. God's not asking you. We talked about last Sunday on remembrance. The many, the many that have sacrificed their lives, that gave the most precious thing they had in this world for our freedom that we could live. The greatest sacrifice of all when Jesus Christ died upon that cross that gave you life not only for now, but life for all of eternity. And he's not asking you to be a dead sacrifice for him now. We're not going, as it said in Hebrews, to Mount Sinai. We're going to Mount Zion, praise God. He wants a living sacrifice. He wants you simply to accept his gift that will give you this place. Now, in the next couple of weeks, maybe we'll finish before Christmas, maybe not. We've got a lot of things going on, and we'll take it as it comes. But there is another eternal abiding place. Everybody will spend eternity somewhere. But today, I hope that you can have the same confidence that Paul had the same confidence that every Christian can have, that your reservation is there. Your citizenship is there. You're struggling through this life as a foreigner, not understanding a lot of the things. You know, as a foreigner, sometimes you don't understand all the language and you don't understand the way they do things and why they do things, the way they do it, and all these different things. Well, there's going to be that in this world. We're just, we're just foreigners, strangers here. But the truth is, we can know that, hey, he's coming to get us. And he's got a place for us. And if your name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life, there's a place for you. And you can't even begin to imagine how wonderful it is. And I want you to know today, whoever you are, don't take a chance on this. Don't gamble on this. You can't do anything else to get a reservation. There's no money under the table, enough good deeds, enough this and enough that. It's humbling yourself as a sinner and accepting this all because of Jesus. Father, I thank you today that we can be reminded of this place called heaven. What a glorious, promising, precious portrait that you give us. And yet, I know we can't fully grasp it. Lord, help us. Help us to grasp enough that we can have the confidence of knowing that one day, one day we'll meet you there. We already have our citizenship because our name's been written in the Lamb's book of life, and that's who's going to be present there. We know that while we're in this life, that we're strangers and foreigners and things will go good and things will go bad, but boy, one day you're coming to get us to take us home. I don't know the hearts of everyone here today, but you do. I pray if there be one in our midst that 
doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I don't care what they've based it on. Lord, I pray that you'd help them in getting a glimpse of this place called heaven to understand that they need a reservation there. They can't get in without it. And the only way they can get that reservation is to get rid of the sin. The only way they can get rid of that sin is in the shed blood of Jesus Christ himself. Today, help them, Lord, to shake their religion and their good intentions, but to know with absolute certainty that they belong to you. We give you the praise and the thanks in Christ's name. Every head bowed, every eye closed, the simple question. I'm not going to linger, but I just want to ask you this question today. Is there anyone here today, you've been reminded as we've talked about heaven and this place for eternity, but you don't know absolutely sure. You don't have the same confidence that we've read about in Scripture that your reservation is there. That that's where your inheritance is at. That's where what is waiting for you is at, that it's in heaven. You don't know that certainty. Would you slip your hand up and say, Preacher, please pray for me. I want to have that certainty. I don't know. I don't know for sure, but I would really appreciate your prayers. Folks, that's nothing to be ashamed of. That's where we all come from. You need to be honest with yourself if you're ever going to be honest with God. Do you have that certainty today? Is there an inkling of doubt? Is there something there that you don't know for sure because you're basing on all kinds of things, but you don't know for certain that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Would you slip your hand up and let me pray for you? Do you care enough about now and eternity that you say, yes, pray for me? Anyone? Anywhere. No looking around. I see that hand. God bless you. Anyone else? It's important that you know. Father, you've not only seen the hands, but the hearts of these here this morning. Lord, if you know, if, if there was something that I could do that, Lord, could make this reservation for, for this person, then I would do it. But they're the only ones that can make that reservation. It must be made themselves. And there's only one way that that name can be reserved and written down, and that's in the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray. I pray for this one. I pray for maybe others that haven't raised their hands, but they don't have that certainty today. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict them in such a way that they have to get that settled in their lives. Help them not to even have a desire to walk through these doors of this place to leave this building today. Lord, I pray work in their hearts. Show them how much you love them. Show them how much that you want to reserve that place for them. That all they have to do is come to you. They can make that reservation themselves. They'll come to you. They'll humble themselves. That They'll take care of that sin problem in Christ. Of course, in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.